Today, we are continuing our series on the four Ds, dyslexia, dyspraxia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia. I think I said that right. Joining us on the program again is Letty Glenn. Letty is the special education specialist who owns Fresh Thinking Special Education Advisors in Kansas City, Missouri. We're a bunch of unsocialized feral heathens. I go to school with teenagers, kindergartners, and everybody in between. If this is your first time visiting with Letty, uh, the most valuable piece of information that she gave to parents in our first episode on the four Ds was get over yourself. Um, so, <laughs> so how you doing today? I'm happy to be back. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> okay, so let's get it. Let's get right to it. So dyspraxia. Can you? I don't think many people are familiar with dyspraxia. I'm not as familiar with it. So, can you describe? Can you just start by describing it? So think of it as when you see a child who is super clumsy or awkward, or their body just looks out of tempo when they're moving. That is a that's a sign that they might be have dyspraxia. So they might have trouble climbing stairs, going downstairs, uh, getting dressed might be a huge challenge. Uh, lack of coordination could be, a, a, but is a big one. So PE, what is that? What's your outside uh, game time look like? What is your outside play time? How, do they go up and introduce and talk to other kids or do they seem more withdrawn? Because a lot of times they might be um, poor self-esteem about being mm. awkward, about being clumsy. So they know, uh, they know that yeah. they're clumsy. You know yeah, so you have that you insight. You are different, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So keep an eye on that. Uh, they might bump into things. Uh, so okay. their facial recognition might uh, have a deficit. They might throw balls too hard or too soft. So you've told me in passing conversation that the, that the, the things that you can look for, the things that the, the effects on learning and the resources and treatment might look very similar to dyslexia with dyspraxia. So I have a question since we have, you know, we, we, we have this other podcast that you can, we can refer people to for the dyslexia stuff and they, then they don't get repeat. Um, so what is the difference in recognizing um, dyspraxia from like a sensory processing disorder like a because if they have a vestibular issue what are the the thin lines between the diagnosis well and you said it thin line so sensory processing disorder is something that i would say is relatively new there's not a lot known about it so it would not surprise me that there is some major overlap between dyspraxia and sensory processing because even with dyslexia we talked about needing to move a lot you're going to see that with dyspraxia as well, and you're going to see it with sensory processing because movement gives you sensory input on your body. So if a parent is seeing that there's a taste issue and also mm -hmm. maybe a hearing or a smelling issue, and they also maybe have some vestibular stuff, then they might look at more of a, a sensory processing disorder kind of a, a tract. I would seek a consultation with an occupational therapist. And then they can start kind of digging around and figuring out exactly what the needs are. Okay, so let's get back to dyspraxia. So let's say they start seeing this and they see these symptoms. 
what are going to be the effects on learning of dyspraxia? What are they going to, what's a kid going to have difficulty with? It will be anything that involves their gross motor skill. So a good way to teach someone is, well, to allow them to have space. So maybe they need to move around some. So give them an opportunity to have that, but also teaching them in a multi-sensory way. So um, when you're thinking of the reading, writing, visual, the types of learning that you have, um, make it all of it, not just focusing on one. So really, dyspraxia is just your gross motor skills and your ability to move your body. That is the biggest hindrance. So you might see some of the same things with that they might have some of the comprehension, some of those other things that fit with dyslexia as well. But for dyspraxia, when we're taking it totally apart, then that is the big difference is that it's the gross motor. So it's body movement. So in the education system, you might see like in PE class or in some kind of a, a move, like an art class. Or a music class needing to do dance moves. Or it could just be walking in the classroom. They could run into something or fall a lot or so just even within their environment. So it's not going to show up in the book work. It's not going to show up in the reading and the math and the science and the social studies. It's going to show up maybe more in the non-court subjects. You know, you could be watching for like gross motor difficulty mm -hmm. with engaging in those like art projects where you have to be able to control your, your body. I think that could help that parents can do as they're educating their child is um, modeling video, uh, showing them video examples or having them do it physically or you show them physically what you're trying to teach them. Uh, again, break the directions into smaller one to two instead of doing all of the directions at once. I know we're talking about this is more gross motor body movement, but still there's that comprehension piece that if you're thinking about what your body's doing and you're focused on that, you might have a hard time remembering a list of directions that you've been told. So it's just a good rule of thumb to give the directions one to two at a time instead of the whole shebang big project directions. Yeah. So if I'm focused on picking up my arm here, then I'm not going to remember what you told me to do next because I'm so focused on the arm movement. Right. Let's see. Yeah, okay. So one of the helpful treatments for dyspraxia is also just active play, anything that involves physical activity, which is why I also suggested occupational therapy. Um, and this can be inside, outside, just anything that's working on their body movements and their um, gross motor play. Uh, it can also be when you're focusing on visual, auditory, and movement skills. Uh, so give them a set of tasks that you can build on. So don't start off with, we're gonna jump rope. Let's break it down into smaller tasks so we can build on those skills and get to the final goal. Oh, okay. So like, I'll hold this rope and you step over it and then- Let's just practice jumping. Okay, <laughs> what does that even sound like? <laughs> so just practicing those skills would be a, a good way to start. And then maybe you put a rope or a line on the ground and you have them start practicing jumping over it or jumping straight on the rope. So they're practicing jumping straight up and down. So once they have that, then maybe we build up and we don't go all the way around. We just do maybe half circles and we try that. And then maybe we go all the way around. That's so helpful. So the, the best things that they could do right 
right away is um, maybe modeling with their own bodies and showing videos and then doing this active play where they break down the gross motor movement into smaller bites or scaffold it, go back to the very beginning, just from the very beginning, how do you get off the ground kind of stuff. Exactly. All right. Which is also the same that you do for dyslexia. It's just a different topic. You're not using the brain its body. Letty, thank you so much for um, the dyspraxia talk. This has been super fun because I can picture in my mind the jump, the having having my son jump up and down. And I don't, ha I don't think we have a dyspraxia. We do have a dysgraphia. So I'm excited about that next episode we're going to be doing. Um, but thank you so much for coming today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. This podcast is produced by anyscores.com.